Greetings, Bill Clinton. I am watching the Ministry of Propaganda. You are like, share and subscribe. You must. Good evening, folks. In line with this week's episode on the coronation of King Charles III, the Lord himself has bestowed upon me the humble title of the Right and Honorable Knight of the Order of the Thistle, Richardicus Nixonium, Victus Bellorum Indochina, Lord of all the beasts of the earth and fishes of the seas. You can stop kneeling now. I accept your submission and sovereignty. Now let's start with some international news. Of course, in the UK, the Brits had themselves a coronation of King Charles III, the first in 70 years. But who cares about the cost of living crisis, right? It was a spectacle nonetheless. And our hosts will have more of this in a moment. Uh, moving on to Sudan, two weeks of fighting have reignited <laughs> violence in Darfur. There have been evacuations of civilians aided by Saudi Arabia and tentative ceasefires across the country. It's still a messy situation, folks. Now, let's talk about Russia. Russia accused the Ukrainian government of orchestrating a drone attack on President Putin's official residence this week. Video was released of two drones exploding over two parts of the Kremlin. And just to add fuel to the fire, Prigozhin, the leader of the mercenary company Wagner, released a profanity-laced video complaining about not having enough ammo to finish the fight in Bakhmut. Meanwhile, Ukrainian soldiers are gearing up for a spring offensive. They're under pressure to show success in boosting morale, shoring up Western support and reclaiming stolen territory. Good luck with that. Over in the Philippines, Ferdinand Marcos Jr., the son of a dictator, began a visit to the U.S. The White House has been cozying up to him as a regional ally, sending a message to China. How's that for American values, huh? And speaking of American finances, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen warned that the U.S. could run out of money to pay its bills by June 1st if lawmakers don't reach a deal on debt. Great. Last but not least, four members of the Proud Boys, including their former leader, were convicted of sedition for attacking the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, 2021. Big whoop. Last week, the South Korean president visited the U.S., but it seems that his foreign policy of aligning his country more closely with the U.S. and Japan has deepened the misgivings of the South Korean public. Can you blame them? The South Korean government was only just this week found guilty of justifying and encouraging the prostitution of South Korean women, or so-called comfort girls, to maintain its military alliance with the U.S. and earn American dollars. Is there even a word for government-scale pimping? Not a good look, folks. Moving on to other news, Ding Liren won the World Chess Championship, a first for China. And in a rare show of unity, the UN Security Council condemned the Taliban's treatment of women. About time they did something right. In Paraguay, they elected a conservative economist as president, resisting Latin America's recent leftward shift. Meanwhile, a prominent Palestinian prisoner died after a hunger strike in an Israeli prison, and Palestinian leaders and armed groups are threatening retaliation. And, and finally, some news relating to artificial intelligence. Uh, neuroscientists from the University of Texas, Austin, have developed AI models that can translate people's private thoughts without using implants, as if we don't have enough invasion of privacy already. And the godfather of AI left Google and warned of the technology's risks. But maybe he's being a little too alarmist, right? Oh, it's not like someone might mimic your identity, your voice, and make a puppet of yourself that ridicules you for all eternity. 
Well, that's all from me, folks. Please like, share, subscribe, and hit that notifications bell. Uh, if you would like us to make any special episodes, please leave some comments below. You've been watching the Ministry of Propaganda helping you think. All right, we are live. So good evening. Hello, everyone. And yes, the circus is over. Zadok the priest has spoken. King Charles III, King Charles Saxa Kuba Gothenburg, as his real surname is, yeah. um, is now officially the king of the United Kingdom and a bunch of other countries. Um, so, Chris, did you take the oath of allegiance? So you're now a subject of King Charles III? Shockingly, I did not. <laughs> it was actually quite cringeworthy to even, to even float the idea. I'm actually surprised that Charles went for it. Obviously, they actually changed the text of the oath, didn't they? Uh, so we'll go mm. through that a little, in a little bit, but mm. what a cringeworthy affair, to be honest. I think everybody other than Piers Morgan absolutely thought it was a little bit embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> right. So on the, on the specifics, I mean, just for the people watching and listening, the the Duke of, not the Duke, sorry, what's his name? The priest, the head priest, um, the uh, Canterbury, what's his yeah. name? I Bishop, I've gone blank. His yeah. actual title, oh, sorry. <laughs> Archbishop of Canterbury, right? Yes. Yeah, so the Archbishop of Canterbury, the head of the Church of England, the man who ran the ceremony of King Charles's coronation, had this idea, along with everyone else, that they would think, oh, let's get um, our viewers, everyone who's watching this coronation, to participate at home. You at home can participate by taking uh, a small little oath of allegiance to King Charles III. Of course, royalists did. I'm sure they did sit in their houses with their Union Jack hats and flags and all sorts of paranoia and do it. Um, but a lot of people were not quite happy with that. And I think the Financial Times actually wrote a quite a funny little comment. They said, you know, in the classic sort of British way, they asked, you know, very, you know, oh, you you can take part. And then as, when people started saying, what, you're not telling me what to do in my own house. They said, okay, well, if you if you fancy, if, if you want, you don't have to. <laughs> so, <laughs> they made the point of saying that, you know, so in the classic British way that you know they would only 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 the British would only take part if you didn't make it very clear and so you know yeah. begrudgingly sort of if if you want you can you can take an oath you know in the nature of oaths that's like always compelling but anyway yeah it's yeah. not really quite how oaths generally work do they right, <laughs> swear yeah. an allegiance if you want to if you want to swear allegiance yes <laughs> yeah 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 anyway but um I mean, there's a lot to unpack with this one. It was quite, uh, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think my main takeaway was how we transcended reality. And like in many different places, just what we were saying and what we were doing and where we were and who was there. Just so many times we just stopped living in reality and we were, we were, we were just witnessing a, a show. I mean, it was quite the spectacle. I mean, some of the singing yeah. and stuff I did, I did enjoy some of the singing. I won't lie. It was quite powerful. Um, some of the choir and whatever, but also we just transcended reality. Um, yeah. yeah. But to say you, you get caught up in it, that, that's what it's for. It's like one of those sort of general statements when people sort of say like, I don't mean I don't mean to bring up the Nazis two minutes into a conversation, but when people say like, <laughs> I don't like Hitler, but the uniforms were cool. It's like, well, that's that's the point. They were designed that way. They would, mm. you not we don't think less of you for getting caught up in something that's designed to make you get caught up in it. But it, yeah, 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 it's yeah, by yeah. the pure yeah, design. Yeah. This is that, that's yeah. what it's for. This 
imperial regal sort of feeling to it. To be honest, right. the outfits of it were one of the weakest points. I I thought it was like if you got your outfits from the Disney store. I, I thought his outfit he looked like a clown, like a mix yeah. of like. Uh, someone pointed out that he was wearing the exact same thing from Snoke from the new Star Wars films, like gold. I thought there's so many pictures of him with his lapels on in the in this military imperial uniform. I thought, why not go with that? That looks yeah. better than what you ended up wearing. Yeah, you mean the purple thing or the gold thing? Yeah, both. It, both. They yeah, like those were pantomime. Those were really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I did think that the, the purple thing that he wore on the balcony looked weird and uh, yeah like like a like a bad sort of a rental like a rental from a, from yeah. a sort of kids, kids you know theater production company but and the gold the golden rope too uh, on the particular sort of channel that i was watching that was quite sort of pro royalist kind of news i don't know which channel it was but um they described the gold robe as, as being quite simple a simple <laughs> a solid gold, gold <laughs> solid gold uh jacket robe thing yeah just a simple gold jacket um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. I'm not sure how they, so, <laughs> those two things very rarely come together. <laughs> so one of the things that we're talking about this whole transcending and just ignoring reality. What were your thoughts on? You had the scene where there was a glove given by the Muslim community. Uh, there was a bracelet given by the Jews. There was a, a, a this given by the Sikhs and a that given by uh, the Hindus. And then you had our Prime Minister, who is a Hindu. Yes. giving yes. out um, reading from the Bible um, and now the Church of England, sort of the head of the Church of England King. Um, you know, like someone I was watching with said basically, you know, it's just kind of like someone saying, and God says, bless all other religions, said the man, the Hindu man in the church. It, yeah. it was just bizarre. The contradictions of, of sort of, you know, what is the fourth commandment? You know, it's thou, sh thou shalt not worship any other God apart from me. So, yeah, I just yeah. I, don't, I felt there was a bit of an incompatibility with this whole thing, or a yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Thing. Well, if we're going to go into religion, I mean, <laughs> do not worship graven images. I mean, that, that isn't that literally what this day was about. Prince Charles mm. was the ultimate graven image of mm. of worship, and so it was a bizarre day. But what you've just sort of said with the, he's meant to be the protector of the faith of the British mm. faith, which is the Church of England. Which, for mm. any our international viewers who don't really understand, the Church of England is when you're a Catholic, but you want to break away from the Pope to remarry, so you start your own church. It's literally an excuse to remarry, and yes, but for some reason we've adopted it as a completely valid branch of uh, Christianity, which mm -hmm. is quite bizarre when you actually look at what it is. But mm. it felt like the, how Piers Morgan sort of compares him of bringing the country together, of using Rishi Sunak as some sort of, what, ambassador of Hinduism, because Hinduism's not a, a unified religion, as anyone who is Hindu will tell you, it's not a religion. It's like a thousand different religions from all sectors. It's basically Indian paganism, mm. in, in the broadest sense of the word pagan, of a religion that has more than one deity. Uh, that's what Hinduism is when you're referring to it. Uh, so they're sort of just using Rishi Sunak as a stand-in pope <laughs> of Hinduism to represent all British Hindus. And I'm not sure mm. British Hindus particularly cared about mm. the coronation, um, mm. as probably did Britain's 
one point something percent of its Jewish population or 10 percent of Muslim population. Um, this wasn't a day for them. This was a day for good morning TV viewers. And mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, OK, on, on a superficial level, it was it was good or at least, yes, on a very superficial level good PR to try and include everyone, multicultural Britain. Yeah, and, and all that that's stuff. what it was. It was PR. Yeah, no, it was PR. Yeah. And you had the gospel choir, um, you know, with that sort of, I think the, 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 the phrase I heard was, you know, the first time that gospel music had been used in this ceremony. Um, sure. Yeah. So I, you know, on, the, on the face of it, we know, it's quite obvious what they were doing. They were trying to be inclusive. Yeah. Well, okay. the last coronation took place in a, in a time period where black people still had to sit at the back of the bus. So there's was, there was no... Surprised there that gospel wasn't played over the last coronation here. Yeah. <laughs> right. I and mean, they were busy killing Mau Mau people in, in Kenya. Yeah. yeah. And all of the other colonies too. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think um, uh, just from the Financial Times, they said that two-fifths, so talking about the British public, two-fifths thought it was a waste of taxpayer money. Uh, two-thirds didn't care about it very much or at all. Um, mainly because basically we had a glut of royal pageantry in the past year yeah. because of Elizabeth II's platinum and then her funeral in September. So that's according to the Financial Times. So not exactly a, a, an overwhelming um, outpouring of support. I mean, there was, you know, the, the mile, the long road uh, where they saw the balcony, you know, that, that was yeah. full of people. Yeah. But I did think that it wasn't... Um, As it would be. I mean, like, yeah. the, the question, do you care about coronation that mm-hmm. i care can be in, in the positive or i care is just of interest i care about the coronation i don't care about the monarchy i care about the coronation and the fact that it cost this money in the middle of a cost of living crisis that's mm. it's of interest I, i'm not wishing him well i, I, don't, I don't wish it happened but i care about mm. this event and mm. the mm. interest in the day right 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 yeah I mean, people also kind of forced, <laughs> like yes. you just said, yeah, I don't care about it. Well, you're also, you're spending millions of it and it's in my face and I'm living, have, people living in London have to divert traffic and everyone else is watching. Okay, I guess I'll have to take part. So yeah, it's almost a, attracts some gravity in, in a sense. So genuine interest is hard to measure actually. Um, yes. Because of the gravity of it. Um, yeah. I mean, I watched it and I'm not a big fan of uh, the Saxa Kuba Gotebergs. Um, yeah. Yeah. As I think you mentioned the um, uh, Frankie Boyle, uh, if anyone hasn't seen, Frankie Boyle made a really good uh, small documentary called things, Farewell to the Royals? Or a, yes, Farewell, Farewell to the Monarchy. Farewell to the Monarchy. It's, it's on YouTube. Please go watch it. It's brilliant. Yes. And um, he does a really good description of the royal family as a slightly dim German family. <laughs> Which yeah. I think is... Britain's most boring cartel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he also think... doesn't... He does, Make some other good observations. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, so I think sort of gauging the public sort of interest in this, that um, there's been some interesting statistics that's come out, and it's been interesting seeing the change in public attitude. So one thing I've noticed in the BBC's coverage in the past few weeks, um, for instance, there's an article that I read the other day where it was talking about the uh, coronation, upcoming coronation, Three paragraphs it took them to start talking about the group Republic, who are a pro-Republic campaign group in the UK. And mm. regardless of the contents of the article, the fact that it mentioned the opposition three paragraphs in, that would have never happened under Elizabeth. 
they wouldn't I can't even ever remember reading about Republic under Elizabeth. It seems that under Charles, because the public mood has completely changed, now wherever he goes, there is a small it is small, but there is a contingent of protesters. Mm. It's not everyone's now seen the yellow sign as not my king. And that never mm. happened under Elizabeth. And I think that is something that's very important. It's easily explainable from the fact that because as a Republican myself and as as you are, we all knew that Queen Elizabeth was very popular. So it was almost a moot point trying to protest because you weren't going to get the response that you wanted. You were going to get, generally from the public, an overwhelming negative response. I always compared the Queen to like a, you know that elastic band ball that you'd have at your desk that you, you knew at one point you had to throw it away. But you just wanted to see how big it got out of curiosity. <laughs> and that was what the Queen was to me after she got to a certain age. She was like, well, let's not abdicate this one. I just want to see how long she lasts. And we've had it, we've had our fun, right. but it's time to throw the ball away now. It's getting dirty. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think, I mean, even in some of the assessments by ostensibly sort of, I wouldn't call them, overtly Republican, but sort of you'd think they were most likely royalists or just people that wanted to keep a status quo. So like the Financial Times and the Times and others. I mean, yeah. There's a quote here from um, the Times, which the Financial Times, which says basically, you know, on their conclusion of, of the coronation and their projection of where it's going to go, they say, uh, nothing prepared us for the coronation, but the coronation has prepared us for what is to come, a monarch who may never reach the acclaim of Elizabeth II, but who will nonetheless definitely funnel two millennia of tradition, blah, 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 blah. But they know, uh, they, they're, you know they've already kind of said that in their assessment, he is not going to get to her level. And effectively, then that says, this is going to be a weak monarch. This is going to be someone who doesn't get as much support. And yeah, the yeah. stability, the long-term stability of the monarchy then is drawn into question, um, yeah. or more likely to draw into question. Um, I still think we... In a political term, we'd call, as you would a president in his last term, a lame duck president. This is a lame duck king. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I do think that, um, you know, I still think we might see, um, you know, one more one more coronation, maybe two. I, I don't know. It depends. It depends. You know, it's hard to predict the future in a crystal ball moment. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, but it's certainly not a brighter future. Today, things are not getting brighter for the monarchy. No. It, you know, it's and, almost a guarantee that this is going to be at least the first of two coronations in this decade because yeah. he yeah. is an old man. He's, he's the oldest mm. coronated king. Mm, 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 mm. I mean, he's got good, you know, the genetic side. He's got a 96 year old, was it 90, 96 year old mother, grandfather, and father is 90s. Maybe with all that money, you know, that they have from, from yeah. us. <laughs> but I agree with you. It's, it's, you know, still a man in his 80s is, is not a, a safe pair of hands. That's um, all. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I have got a few uh, clips here that I just wanted to show, just to show sort of public mood, how it's hmm. moved. And it does seem to be a um, generational thing, which is to be expected. The older generation, it's hard to sort of change your ways, isn't it? And they've got a view set in tradition. Um, mm -hmm. So first one is from our good friend, Piers Morgan. Mm. His shock and awe. King Charles will be a global spectacle. 
Tens of millions will be watching as Charles is crowned in a ceremony steeped in a thousand years of regal history. But judging by the headlines this week, the monarchy's problems lie not in the past, but the future. A shocking new poll says 78% of Britain's young people don't care about the monarchy. Almost 40% of them would even prefer an elected head of state. And actually, who can blame them for having a dim view of the royal family or the monarchy, given that two of our most famous young royals have waged a three-year war on the institution. They weaponized the culture of validation for victimhood and convinced a generation of young people the monarchy is an antiquated evil institution. So straight away there, he's, he's got the blame in the wrong direction. In his view, the reason that anyone could be anti-royal is it's Meghan's fault. It's all Meghan's fault in his head, which just clearly isn't true. What about you, Rich? Is, have you got this view no. of, of him because of your your time reading Prince Harry's book or Meghan? I'm, I actually busy. I'm reading. I'm just like I'm a few chapters into Harry's book. I, I started. Are you? <laughs> yeah, actually, I bought it because I was like, I've got to see this. I want to see the dirty laundry. Air the dirty laundry. Show me the yeah. dirty laundry. Um, it's somewhat interesting so far, but like I said, I'm only a few chapters in. Um, I just, I just also think that Piers Morgan automatically then there would sort of implied that the reason that the the young generation don't like the royal families because of Harry and Meghan and yes. basically because they're woke. They're, it's just SJW, yeah. um, you know, wokists, uh, which, which is yeah. just classic Piers Morgan. But um, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, Jeremy Corbyn was also very popular with young people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, uh, Jeremy Corbyn's not exactly, uh, uh, he was always getting in trouble with not being too supportive of the monarchy and you know, questions about whether he would bow, do this or do that or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think that you have to look at a much bigger trend there. Um, Jeremy Corbyn is popular. Why? Well, because, you know, millennials can't buy houses. Millennials I don't are, think anybody would call Jeremy generation. Corbyn woke. As yeah, much as no, you'd exactly. call Jerry Adams woke for the same reason. <laughs> right. right, right, right. What's yeah. the IRA I, I, I think, woke? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. I think that... Right, right, right. I mean, and also, you know... Millennials and sort of this younger generation, if if we're called that anymore, I guess, um, yeah. also supported Bernie Sanders more than the previous. So you've got a big overlying economic trend. Two thousand and eight, the financial crash. Our generation then, you know, have been poorer and will be poorer. The fir the first generation to be poorer than the last. Um, so those are the underlying macroeconomic things, right? So that's yeah. why you have people not really keen on an antiquated elitist aristocracy that inherits huge amounts of wealth. I mean, some of these royals, like the Duke of um, the, the Duke of Westminster, who owns Harrods and owns, I mean, along with the rest of the royals, owns huge swathes of the country. And, and his, I think he, he, he just inherited, I think it might be a few years out, but five or six, maybe seven years ago, his father died and he just inherited just huge tracts of, of yeah. real estate. And here and you've got millennials who can't even buy a house and yeah, probably will never buy royals as well, they're exempt from inheritance tax. Like yeah, the yeah. Which they managed to. If 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 you haven't watched the Queen episode when the Queen passed, we looked at the, the royal family, um, and in that episode we did uh, explore this thing of the fact that the royal family, the Queen at the time, overlooked draft papers that were going to be in Parliament regarding inheritance laws and had their say and altered and actually um, stopped some some laws, particularly on land and and how to use their estates and, and inheritance. So you have the people who would be subject to inheritance laws having a say on what gets passed. That's, yeah. yeah. yeah.
it's a fact. Which in itself yeah. is completely contrary to everyone's understanding of constitutional law in the yeah. UK of this defense of, oh, they're harmless, they do more good than bad, and they don't interfere with politics. When mm. they do, they do absolutely interfere with politics. Yeah, they do. Particularly Charles, who was famously for the uh, Black Spider memos. Uh, if anyone doesn't know, they were called the Black Spider memos because they were Charles's handwriting was referred to as looking like spider legs on paper. Um, so that's how we knew he'd written them. Which I, I don't know much about this. Go, go into These were letters that were written to ministers that um, basically came out from Freedom of Information Disclosure request from The Guardian back in 2005. Uh, it went through the courts for about 10 years of ministers trying to block it. And basically it showed that Charles had been lobbying ministers, um, mm. interfering in politics. The contents of them was quite boring and, and mundane. A lot of it of requests on behalf of farmers and stuff, but that's not the point. The point is that he shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. Mm. Now, mm. with Elizabeth, a lot of her popularity was because she was so muted of opinion. Everyone put their own opinion onto her. If you were pro-EU, you could say, well, the Queen is secretly pro-EU. If you were pro-Brexit, you could say, well, the Queen is secretly pro-Brexit. She was wherever you wanted her to be. But with mm. Charles, there isn't that uh, veneer of of neutrality because he does come out on one side of the opi of opinion rather than the other so it is much easier for people to sort of dislike if you want to be a mutual head of state mm. you have to be neutral <laughs> mm, 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 mm. right 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 um just yeah so just going back to uh, Piers morgan you mentioned earlier obviously i think we answered the question as to like whether we think that's a sound analysis that no he's not, he's missing a bigger point, but he also just let something slip, which a lot of people have been throwing around, is the, the thousand-year um, monarchy, you know, so as if it was uninterrupted, as if, um, you know, not, history has never happened. So, I mean, the first thing you're completely ignoring is, is, is Henry VIII himself. So the fact that, you know, Catholicism and the Pope used to play far more of a role within the way that the royals ran the country yeah. and, and everything, the royal system. And then the Civil War itself, um, you know, the, the, actually, so, I, I mean, yeah. we'll get on to sort of some of the stuff within the ceremony itself in a moment. But the only surviving um, item from before the um, uh, from before the Civil War, excluding the chair and some other stuff, but in terms of uh, like sort of like little bits and bobs that are used in the actual ceremony itself, is one of the spoons. Yes. So there's that spoon. That's the only spoon that actually survives from before the Civil War, because during the Civil War, they melted Parliament, melted everything down, trying to get rid of all of this crap. But yeah, so Piers Morgan and countless other people that are talking about this go, oh, the thousand-year um, tradition, implying yeah. that it's uninterrupted and continuous, um, which is not true, which is which is historically inaccurate. I mean, yeah, it completely yeah. Um, obliterates... It's not one We've history. killed them once. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, actually, also, you couldn't have, pick a better sort of royal to remind yourself than a child's um, yes. You know, Charles III. Uh, you know, what, what about the other Charles? Oh, oh, the one that was in the Civil War that was killed, executed by the people of Britain. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, there's a bit of a, you know, particularly because these people are talking about history as well. And they say, oh, well, no, you've got to keep tradition and history. But they don't actually care about history because they're completely ignoring to yeah. mention that part of history, the Republican yeah. Party. It's a, it's a myth of history that they're building a that doesn't exist, as they, as they do. With, mm. with many things, like when they talk about sort of the Roman history and in the British education system, mm. they've got mm. a big affinity to 
uh, Roman history. They speak about it in such romanticized sexual terms because the Brit <laughs> the British Empire want to conflate themselves with that empire. Yeah, we're all, almost like we're the successor of like the empire died here and we were born from the ashes of that empire, which mm. from a sl certain slant of history, it's true in the fact that we built ourselves from the infrastructure that the Romans built for us. Yeah. Uh, as Caesar uh, pointed out when he first arrived here, we were savages who danced around trees and <laughs> there wasn't really very much here. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Interestingly, he also pointed out that the people here had black faces, which modern DNA testing has proved like the Cheddar Man that we were, uh, the inhabitants of this island was black. Um, modern British historians try to get rid of that fact, but it, it seems to be very much the truth that Britain back then, before the Romans got here, the natives were black. Interesting. That's yeah. very interesting. Not, not the word? Was it sort of beyond just paints and words and stuff? Or? Well, Cheddar Man, the, when they've done the test on him, that the oh. models are always, always painted as black. So, interesting. Okay, well, that's very interesting. I did not yeah. know that. Big if true. Interesting. Yeah, big if true. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, um, I know that we've got to talk about, you know, some of the ridiculous stuff in the ceremony itself. So, yeah. I know we talked about a Hindu conferring the head of the Church of England, a religion which doesn't accept the validity of other gods um, and then all sorts of objects being worn given by other religious groups. We've already talked about this, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff that I wanted to go into. Um, so just to briefly touch on this, the crowns themselves. So we covered this thoroughly in our queen, the institution reviewed episode, but yes. just to remind people you had a number of the notorious diamonds uh, in this ceremony. So you had, of course, Cullinan one, which is the um, 530 carat uh, diamond, which is in the sovereign scepter. So the stick that he's holding has Cullinan one massive diamond. And uh, then you have Cullinan two, which is uh, 317 carats, which was in the imperial state crown that Charles will wear as he leaves Westminster Abbey. Okay. So that's the one he wore as he left another big diamond. If I'm not mistaken, it's the clear diamond at the front yes. of his um, crown. Um, but what we didn't see this time was the kur -i nur So this is the diamond from India. Well, actually, India, Pakistan, and Iran all claim um, this diamond that is in the... It's in the, another crown, which... Uh, one second. I forgot which... Uh, I can't remember which crown it is, but... It's it, yeah, basically that one was not on show. They did not use it in this ceremony, so they used a different uh, crown. They used yeah, the smaller crown. Um, yeah, so they didn't use that one. I wonder if there was a political choice having a Hindu prime minister, you know, around, and also just trying to pair patch things up with on the geopolitical side of things with India and AUKUS and the Quad and the geopolitical game and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I, I, I also think that just because of it's just a more controversial diamond somehow than the Cullinan. But they, ha yeah. they have to wear one of these crowns. They just have to guess they have to pick they have to pick their pick which blood they would like to, you know, adorn themselves in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It made me uh sort of think that when this was all being planned, originally they did say, oh, it's going to be a much more toned down coronation. Um because basically the 
they're worried that because of the cost of living crisis, they don't want to intentionally annoy everybody <laughs> with this lavish display of stolen wealth. Um, I've got here yeah. a picture which just, I'm just going to have to get this up. Uh, this just made me laugh because it sort of summarizes what's actually been going on here. So here's a carriage and these are <laughs> potholes in the streets that have just been covered with sand to allow the carriage to move freely over it. And that just sort of sums up the state of the country. The fact that this, this gilded bandage that has just been wrapped yes. around London to mask a country that's effectively in decay at this point. I mean, I don't think anybody from ourselves to I, the IMF to everyone, nobody's saying that this country is doing well. This is we're, we're a dying country at the moment, economically. It's not looking good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I thought um, this sums it up just quite nicely. Of, I, I think that's a great one. I think it's a great one. I, I mean, actually, I, I guess we'll go into now. Some of the, the obscure and bizarre things that you start to find out when you look not even that closely at the royal family, um, the wider royal family, as well as just the individuals themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, you already said a gilded carriage riding over, sanded over potholes, um, and then them not showing one of the other crowns because they think this crown might be better. All of this is stolen. Um, these people aren't even British. Sorry. <laughs> They're German. Um, uh, or, or some combination of aristocratic uh, hybrid. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so the opening line um, from the uh, Bishop of Canterbury was... Um, something along the lines of what was it um he he comes here not to serve but to be served um you know kind of trying to caveat this whole thing around this is service public service i am a public servant yeah anointed not to be served but to serve um so some of the things around prince charles's personal habits and weird things right okay so for example he um He's a big environmentalist. And, and yes. before he became king, I, I did, you know, appreciate his sort of quite, un, you know, he didn't actually have to take quite the stance on climate change and stuff. And I think that was quite good of him, I guess. Well, well done. Yeah. It's, um, a, it's a way of approaching yeah. environmentalism, though. Not all environmentalism is good for people. Pol Pot was an environmentalist. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Right, right. But, I mean, he could have taken a far worse stance. He could have just been indifferent yeah. about it. At least he, he drove an, an advanced conversation about it environmentalism that was i guess yes. somewhat good but um in line with trying to become a good environmentalist and i'm going to show you this article because i think people are not going to believe me um to make himself you know a, a fit that kind of environmentalist um you know outfit uh he drives an aston martin and i am not joking that is fueled by cheese and wine <laughs> So, so this is from the guardian so prince charles reveals his car runs on cheese and wine byproducts i believe it's some form of english white wine and some whey from other cheese oh, at yeah, least it's so, I, I, personally looted by wellington from the palaces of versailles <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 exactly yes yeah no at least it's it's english white wine which if we're honest is probably not the best white wine but, but yes he has a car run by cheese and wine Cheese, wow. cheese and wine. It's the fuel. So, yeah. Other stuff. Um, 
wherever he goes, he travels with a teddy bear um, that he has when he was, since he was a small child. I don't think that's too bad. Um, but the only person allowed to fix the bear is his childhood nanny. I have no idea how old she is. She must be really old. Who's kept um, on life support? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's um, in addition to carrying a small teddy bear wherever he goes, that's okay. I'm not too bothered. That's kind of cute, right? Um, but he also carries his orthopedic bed um, and his own lavatory seat. So okay. speaking about thrones, he literally carries his own toilet seat to wherever he's going <laughs> to stay. So, Yeah. And then um, the final one is uh, he always has a chef come with him. So wherever he goes, uh, he has a personal chef cook for him. So he goes to your house, wherever you are, wherever he's visiting, his yeah. chef will cook yeah. for him his own meal. Yeah. You know, that I don't find it's too uh, any. I think most head of the states have their own. I think it's a security thing as well, isn't it? I suppose so. I suppose so. I mean, but if you can't trust, like you know, the American chefs, I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, but the last one I'll say, uh, and this applied to the Queen too. So. Him and Queen Elizabeth II both um, would prefer heavily not to be served square ice cubes because of the weird noise they make. Oh. Yeah, they learn like the clinking noise <laughs> of ice cubes, square ice cubes. I don't know. I guess they might go for, you know, maybe skull-shaped. They'll probably suit their, uh, yeah, their history. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, I come so I come not to be served your food or your ice cubes. I come to be, I come to serve. Yeah, yeah. It, it does make me laugh the lengths that they go through of this sort of uh, myth of humbleness that they sort of try and paint. I have got another clip here that goes perfectly into this. So um, I, I wanted to play this last time only. I, I struggled to find it. Unfortunately, the only clip that I've found, I couldn't get the original source. So I've stolen the clip from a John Oliver show. So unfortunately, it has his stupid audience giggling in the background. But So this is um, an interview from Philip from 1968 from ITV. And I think it it's an incredibly com uncomfortable amount of time to answer any questions, particularly this one. So I'm just going to play this. Gone. Your job in your own mind. <laughs> well, I haven't got one. I'm self-employed. <laughs> but surely you must have some clear idea of what role you fulfil in modern society. It's very difficult to answer. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah. If I was a royal being interviewed, that would be—I would have thought that would be the first question that my aides prepped me for. If someone asks you what your job, say this. That should be number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It also, he was—you know—royal for a long time. I don't think he doesn't look particularly young there. You'd think all that training, all that PR, all that stuff—you'd have something ready, you know, yeah. to, to give. But he, he, he was a royal before he was our royal, wasn't he? He was true, true. Yeah, Greek. Greek. Um, yeah. So he'd always yeah, yeah. been around. Maybe it was just in, in the 60s, it was a new sort of era of journalism where maybe this was the first time a journalist had ever dared ask a royal, what is your job? Like, I can't imagine yeah. Vic Victoria was ever asked that question. But then again, I can't imagine she was ever interviewed by a journalist. Mm -hmm. I might be wrong, but I can't imagine that was the case back then. Right, 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 right. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think if you watch, I don't know if you've seen the Netflix series, The Crown. I haven't Yeah, It is on a very long list. <laughs> I, I've, I've started watching it again, sort of in line of, of what's been happening recently with the Royals and whatnot. Um, there is a, a scene where they, I don't know if they're reenacting this just with a different environment, but yes, they, they go through the scene where an Australian journalist asks this question and he gets angry. Um, yeah. But so I think this, well, it's clearly definitely happened. Um, yeah. You've seen it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, you know, in line with that um, observation, you know, what, what do you really do? Uh, and, you know, everyone always makes the jokes, you know, that I go somewhere and I wave and I do the wave and, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm seen as a stable pair of hands. In line also with the fact that reality stopped meaning things and words stopped meaning anything in parts of this ceremony. Um, Princess Anne, so this is Charles's sister, who yeah. I guess from probably quite an early age, realized that she was never going to be the head of state and is, you know, as many of these royals that end up on the side, start doing weird stuff and start going crazy. Uh, she, in this ceremony, got a lot of uh, attention because she wore a massive hat, like a Napoleon-style massive hat with a red uh, feather. Did you see her or not? Yeah, I saw that she was blocking okay. um, Harry. That's it. <laughs> Everyone is happy because, you know, apparently Harry's, you know, evil now and, and it's, it's <laughs> been banished. He was banished to the, the third row with the cousins and and the sex predators, um, Andrew. Um, yes. I think he had the same robes. But yeah, just if you haven't seen the hat, let me just show you the hat here. It's, it is, I mean, it's a really cool hat, but it is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, there you go. There it is. Uh, from the side, it looks more powerful, I would like, but it's got a massive red feather. And this thing was blocking Harry's view, which everyone Yeah, thinks. very Napoleonic. Right, right, right. I mean, her outfit was pretty cool. I, 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 I'll give her that. It was a very cool outfit, you know, <laughs> if you're dressing up. Um, but nonetheless, she also, so I just did some reading then about her title. So, because everyone goes, you know, what the, when, you, when you're not first in line or second in line of the throne, like, what are you doing? So often they'll get given. Um, honorary sort of ceremonial heads of regiments. So, for example, um, my old regiment was the Duke of Wellington Regiment. Three Yorks, first Yorks, one Yorks was uh, Prince Andrew was the the head of the was the honorary um, colonel, I think, of the of the of the battalion. Even though you know he never did anything, and we also had the honor of saluting him once. Uh, it was wonderful back in 2012. But anyway, nonetheless, Princess Anne. Um, in 1993, was given the rank of Rear Admiral and was recently upgraded to an Admiral. But not only that, um, she's also a General in the British Army and an Air Chief Marshal in the Royal Air Force. So, I mean, <laughs> what does anything mean? You know, like, oh, no. oh, I'm a General, I'm an Admiral, I'm a Chief Air Marshal, and I'm wearing Napoleon's hats, you know. It's just like a child. It's, a, it's just like this is like a little five-year-old sort of just saying, you know, I'm everything basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because it's, it's that type of sort of it's nepotism, but it is just a fan a fantasyful version of nepotism. This is the type of stuff that people accuse North Korea of doing. Down to the pledges, down to the just giving your family members ranks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's um <laughs> it is madness, absolute madness. Yeah, do you want me to comment on any other sort of um, bits of the ceremony? So one thing that did make me laugh, which I'm sure there's, again, a very long traditional reason for it, but when he was anointed behind the curtain, it felt like that bit was literally just like, like, like let's fuck with everybody now. Let's let's allow conspiracy theories to, to, to fly. Like, 
that's the bit where he just morphs into a lizard behind the, the game. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Keep things I, alive and spicy. I can. I, I want to bet, like you know, ten pounds that there's some video analysis going on right now in like QAnon circles or you know. David Ike. Uh, what's, what's that <laughs> lunatic? Uh, David Ike. Yeah, David Ike. Video channels <laughs> where they're like, if you see now, you'll see the shadow of a tail. Sort of maybe you know. Sort yeah. Of, <laughs> I've already seen one start on uh, Facebook. There was a guy who walks past outside the cathedral. You just see a silhouette, mm. and it it did look like the Grim Reaper just walked past, and a big shadowy figure holding. So obviously that's that's been. Fine. <laughs> I, I think it was all part of the show just to like keep people in. <laughs> just to wind it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah I was also thinking. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, so, so just sort of going back on onto what Pierce's sort of question was of why young people don't aren't aren't interested. That's uh, what sort, of, sort of joking about are all these little pantomime tricks, little things just to get people sharing videos on Facebook and the places where young people gather. But it's because young people, particularly us in our generation, we were born into a world where basically the internet was pretty much established from the age where we could use computers. We were connected to each other, to foreign cultures and to different political systems from a much younger age. Our parents weren't. They were born in a traditional conservative Britain where things were just done this way and everyone abroad did things weird and foreign, but you never saw it. And we were born in, this, in, a, in a time where we expected more. So we can question these silly things in a way that our parents never did. Why, given us the answer of, we've always done it this way, just doesn't cut it anymore. And in terms of like some little bits of social progress that we've made that was even little things that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things, like people's views on tattoos and piercings of, you would have probably heard it, oh, don't get a tattoo, you'll never get a job. That's mm. not the mm. case now. You can go into a bank and see someone head to toe covered in tattoos and piercings and with a shirt and tie on. Mm. Our views of things like that have changed. And I think this is the same issue, just a different side of it. We look at this and think, why are we paying for this? People say, oh, it's mm. continuity. Or oh, the worst one, what Piers Morgan says, is it brings us together. And so, well, evidently not, because I'm arguing with you. <laughs> if I disagree mm. with you, then obviously your argument doesn't work because I'm not with you. I'm not all together with this. Not and as yep. the polls have showed, half of the country isn't. And just to sort of compare this, as we said earlier on, with the Republican movement hasn't been campaigning because we didn't out of politeness because of Elizabeth's popularity. We're already at nearly half of young people don't support it without us even campaigning. Hmm. If you were to hmm. compare this where sort of something like a Scottish independence was in the 90s when it was still quite new, hmm. when they really started campaigning and then got, and that's where it, it skyrocketed in popularity in a very short period of time. I see that will happen now with the Republican movement. Now, it, it's in the public eye. It's talked about in every article that the royals are talked about in. There'll be an article there about the opposition and hmm. the other way. It's not as set in stone as it used to be yeah 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 no i think it is a good opportunity for the republican movement yeah um i do think that there's still 
you know, there's still a lot of work to be done on the actual yeah. organization. I mean, that specific organization itself, they didn't do a bad job and they were arrested and there was beatings and yes. they, you know, they, 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 the Met Police basically didn't tolerate, that's the word they used, they didn't tolerate any trouble on the day. But basically that meant you're not, we're going to try and cut, you know, reduce your protests and, and reduce your, um, yeah. your footprint on the day. Um, but I, I still think that they, they particularly need to be a bit more professional. They do they do come across as a bit of an NGO sort of extinction rebellion kind of level. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mean to promote this particular group. It's just that this is the group that the general movement. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Now yeah. The should do it. Now even left wing parties like there are so many left wing parties in the in this country that don't even dare call themselves republicanism mm. or, or republicanism. Mm. What actually annoyed me last year was. When Elizabeth died, even George Galloway posted on on his Facebook a picture with him with Elizabeth behind him. I thought, bloody hell, if, if you yeah. are bowing even, to yeah. monarchism, then he's one of the most famous furthest left politicians in the country. And yeah. not even he dared to sort of break ranks with British monarchism. And it just yeah, showed that yeah. how far there is to go. Yeah. Yeah, no, there is a really far way to go. You're right. I mean, and I was going to say, Greg, you know, if, if there was any politician you'd expect to try and, and move that direction quickly, uh, you would expect uh, Galloway. Um, yeah. And the Keir Starmer, obviously, you know, threw his lot. I, th I think he posted an article, I think it might have been The Guardian, putting his lot, you know, behind King Charles III. But I, I do think that he did at least, uh, I don't, I'm not a fan of him at all, but this thing with the Lords of... Um, this motion, I don't know if he's continued with it or he's going to push it, but even suggesting that we shouldn't be a House of Lords um, might be a little bit of movement on undermining the aristocratic yeah. sort of institutions. Um, I think the House of yeah. Lords, though, it's such easy, low-hanging fruit, isn't it? Because anybody yeah, it is with really a basic understanding of it thinks, well, it's mm -hmm. absolutely ridiculous that this is even there. The fact that yeah. we can have a vote in one house and it be undermined in another house by people who aren't elected, who are appointed, yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, often it's classic Keir Starmer, though, to just go for the strategically, you know, yeah. clever sort of, okay, I'll keep the monarchy vote by not going for the monarchy, and I'll capture a bit of that young dissent uh, against the aristocratic class as a whole by just picking the the sort of, yeah, as you say, low-hanging fruit. Um, yeah. yeah, it's one of those sort of statements that nobody can disagree with, like, I think nurses should be paid well. It's like, yeah, well, right. everybody right. agrees that. As a state, well done. It's like yeah. I don't think we should kick pregnant women. Like, well done. Everyone agrees with that very basic statement. I'm not going to vote no, for you for saying complete nonsense. Very that's visionary, <laughs> visionary, visionary stuff. There, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I just want to get back to. So, yeah, I think the on the Republican stuff, we are going to see um, a growth, and this is not the end of that conversation. Yeah. Um, just in terms of some of the arguments, I did read Republic's website, and they, they make some good observations. So. One of the classic points that people bring up is tourism. The yes. monarchy is good for tourism. So we should substitute our head of state and have this entire aristocratic system because of tourism. Um, and go into the Republic website. There's republic.org, the specific organization. And they you know, give you some details there about how this is a flawed um, statistic or argument. But I do think they didn't make this observation, but it's my observation. Disneyland, you know, attracts lots of tourists. Does that mean Mickey Mouse should be the head of state now because because of tourism? No. Yeah, like yeah, it's 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 really weak. Um, it is, and also, you know, people still go to the Palace of Versailles. Lots of tourists go there. There's no royal family there. 
So the palaces, which are where you get all the tickets and the tourism, um, are still there. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not not suggesting any comparison between how the royal family and palace well, of Versailles. Enough, but <laughs> the next clip that I've got is a, is exactly on this issue. So um, Sky News, mm. we're trying to find uh, dissidents against the Republican movement. Uh, obviously, like we've always said, Republic as a group are quite tame compared to mm. what what you'd want them to be. Uh, so I found a clip that Sky News posted of a woman confronts anti-monarchist protesters. And this is the weakest confrontation that you've ever imagined. Um, but the points that she brings up are exactly what you've just brought up. So I'm just going to show this quickly and then we can go over some numbers. Who are you? Country just here, you they, they bring more country money into the country than anything else. Well, I mean, the palaces will still be there. They don't. They do. Hey, look, when Harry got married, it cost so much. There was over a hundred thousand people went to Windsor to see that wedding. They had to pay accommodation, they had to come transport, they made a fortune. They take annual rents of like 30% of the land. I tell you. They cost us 300, uh, have, 300 million per I year for every taxpayer. And they won't bring more money to this country than anything else. When I go abroad and I say, where are you going to go? Everybody wants to go to London to see Buckingham Palace. The palace will still be there. I know, but they won't come and see because there's no king. I mean, my daughter's come over. There we go. That, that was the, the point that you, you just made. Palace will still be there. In fact, you'll have better access to it. Now, mm. I've got yes. the numbers here. So the Palace of Versailles, 10 million people visit that per year. Mm -hmm. The Forbidden City in China gets 19 million people per year. Famously, palaces where the royals do not hold residence anymore. We could actually increase tourism to the palace by getting rid of his occupants. Who would have thought it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I, I, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think Buckingham Palace is also ninth most visited um, a, a tourist destination. Chester Zoo has more people visit it. Um, <laughs> then, then, so, uh, yeah. So, yes. Both Windsor Castle and Buckingham Palace. Chester Zoo has more people. So, uh, maybe we should put some animal from Chester Zoo as our head of state then. Uh, yeah. To logic. Or put our royals in the zoo. <laughs> That's even better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Charlie's ears, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I can think of an attraction he, he would soon be suitable for. Anyway, uh, so so anyway, uh, I just wanted to go on to some of the small things in the ceremony. I know we've gone back and forth, but it's okay. Uh, is the chair? So the chair, as I said earlier, the spoon is the last remaining item of the coronation regalia everything else was melted down but the chair is from the 1300s if i'm not mistaken but if you look at the chair it used to be covered in gold carrot that's been worn away um, but there's some graffiti on it and some of the graffiti is just just quite you know quite, quite fun um one of them says it's just says p abbott slept in this chair 5 6 july 1800 <laughs> 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 it's quite silly uh, and then the so there's um, in in the chair, so inside the chair is the stone of Schoon, which is spelt scone or scone. We now have a third pronunciation, Schoon, uh, which is the sacred slab of sandstone on which Scottish kings were crowned. 
Um, Edward I had the chair built specifically to enclose the Stone of Schoon, known by the Scots as the Stone of Destiny, after he forcibly took the artifact from Scotland and moved it to the Abbey in the late 13th century. But Fergus Moore MacKayrk, excuse my pronunciation, I think it's an Irish name, the founder of Scotland's royal line, reputedly brought the stone with him when he moved his seat from Ireland to Scotland around 498. So, I mean, you can't think of a more British stone than that, something that yeah. was from Ireland, then moved to Scotland, then stolen from Scotland, and then closed to capture its essence. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, we can't give it British. back without destroying the thing that it's now enclosed in. Yeah, That's yeah. We can't give it back. It's it's, it's just part of the museum. So, I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, it is interesting to see where it goes. I remember we, we ended this last episode with a lot of speculation to the future, which has been half of this episode. Um, mm. And it, it is interesting to sort of think of where it's going to be going. Uh, at the moment, we've got this cost of living crisis that's going on that's absolutely causing huge amounts of suffering to so many people in this country. Um I don't feel like this toned down coronation has done much to alleviate that. Um, I've not noticed any pennies being knocked off my bill because Charles didn't spend it. Um, interestingly, what we said earlier on about um, Harry, you said that you were reading his book. Now, I did watch his interview, interview. that he did with um, Stephen Colbert on the American show. Mm. Uh, for the same reason as, as you were reading his book, just tell me dirt. And the one thing that I felt was missing about the interview, which was something that I expected an American to say, was now you've been out of it a while, I'm living in a, in a republic in America, looking back into it, do you not think it's all a bit silly? Are, are you a republican yet? Um, how far are you into the book? Has, has he said anything? Trust me, I don't know any of that. Only about two chapters. Is what yeah, so... That, that I feel like it would be an interesting sort of point because uh, I feel like that's where so many people are and it is mm. ever I can't see new Republicans being uh, sorry new monarchists being born it does seem like we're waiting for an older generation to sort of die off and then it supports sort of dwindle one of the mm. stupider arguments that some, I've seen some of these protesters uh, monarchists make which I don't know it doesn't seem to be based on any fact, is other countries who have got rid of their royal family regret it. And other than Spain, who got rid of theirs and brought them back, I can't think of anyone else who did. And I've never heard an American say they regret it. I've never met an American monarchist. They've got a big affinity for titles over there because they don't really have the... Uh, the aristocratic class is one sort of above what Americans can hope to ever achieve. Like, however many boards of directors you sit on, however many estates you own, you can never be a lord in America. And that's something that they they do pine over that. But that's a different thing than having a king above you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there is a bit of a soft spot for the royals in the U in the US. I mean, they, they do like it, the pageantry and stuff, but I don't think they would want themselves to be ruled again by yeah. the royal family. I don't think so. Yeah, they had a pretty you know intense war about this. Um, 
so yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't think of the top of my head of, of, a, of a king that's you know longing to return or something like this. But I'm sure there's probably some obscure historical example. But it just doesn't seem to be the net, the normal trend. To make that an argument seems a bit silly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do remember hearing at one point of uh, whispers that William didn't even want it. I'm sure that's now changed because now they've been, mm. William and Harry have been sort of forcibly split at the hip. Um, mm. William's mm. now being much more groomed by the sort of institution. Um, mm. So even mm. if he did have those thoughts Ambitions. early on, they're probably mm. gone now. He's probably very. Yeah, 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 yeah. For his yeah. time in the, in the in the throne himself. Yeah. Hopefully, it'll yeah. be a short one. Right. We can short time in the throne, not a short wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can only hope. Um, I don't know what else to add to that. I mean, uh, I think we've covered quite a lot of ground here, Chris. I, I don't know if you have any final thoughts. I, I'm trying to see if I've missed anything from my my notes. Yeah. Well. Obviously, I don't really want to have to repeat everything that we said last year. We did we did have quite a thorough review of the royal family just after the Elizabeth yes. died. Um, I still do want to harken back to that. Mm. Anything that we've not covered here, that video is still valid. So maybe we should be linking that with this one. Yeah, yeah, we'll put that one down in the in the comments so you can find that one straight away in the description yeah. there. Um, yeah, I think the only sort of final thought that I'd have from this is. I did look at, obviously, American media did write a lot about this. Um, Chinese media, at least the Global Times, Xinhua, and People's Daily, very short. Um, so one of them just showed pictures with captions, no article. Um, just boilerplate diplomacy, just um, we congratulate King Charles III on his coronation. The UK is celebrating this. No analysis, no uh, yeah. comment uh, beyond that. Just a, yeah, just just a boilerplate statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which, which speaks, which says something in itself. Yeah, um, it did make but, me laugh that uh, Reuters had an article up um, that they, they tried to write it as if anyone's missing out. Uh, Russia, Belarus, Iran, Myanmar, uh, their leaders will not be invited to the coronation. And I'm <laughs> sure they're gutted. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I guess that, that's that's it for us this week, Chris. Um I do have some other. Okay, the only final thing I would say is Penny Mordant was the woman carrying the sword. I didn't actually realize this until afterwards. So during the ceremony, there's a woman carrying a sword, a massive sword, the first woman to perform this role in history. It's Penny Mordant. So she's obviously quite high up still in the Conservative Party. Um, I just obviously giving her that position to carry the sword um, does give her lots of political points and credentials you know that's quite yeah. important um yeah so, maybe you're looking at the next leader of the conservative party. yeah i think you've got it you, you, you that's definitely raised her profile um quite highly yeah so, you know, I feel like if i was the one carrying that sword it's, it's, that little devil on my shoulder would just be saying if you get if you stab him now you get to be king <laughs> i'm sure that's not how it works <laughs> <laughs> right 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 Anyway, but um, if, you, if you are interested, what happened behind the curtain, um, all you would have seen is an old man pour oil onto the naked chest of another old man. So I feel like the curtains were more for our protection. Um, yeah. not see that. <laughs> Quite lucky that Camilla didn't have to say the same treatment. 
coming out with an oily boob afterwards. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's all from us this week. If you have any suggestions um, or comments or things you'd like to us to discuss or look into, um, we have some interviews coming up. We interviewed both me and Chris, um, two um, Palestinian activists um, living in exile, I suppose is correct to say. And yeah, we're going to be airing those soon. And then also we're going to have a discussion on that too. But if you have anything else that you want us to go into or go over, perhaps the Turkish election that's coming up, um, please put them in the comments and we shall see you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Proletarian Radio. We aim to bring you the best Marxist analysis on current affairs, revolutionary history, and theory. Do like, comment, subscribe, and share our content to help us reach the widest possible audience. We are a small organization with limited resources, and we need workers' support if we are to grow and fulfill our mission. If you are able to make a one-off or regular donation, no matter how small, please visit our website at thecommunists.org and register as a supporter.